One Pills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Yeah, you're darn right. It's One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you on a Tuesday. Thanks for joining us. As uh, we woke up happy campers this morning, uh, and, and we'll get to that in just a second because we got a jam-packed show for you today. we got the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas joining us in about 30 minutes' time. Looking forward to catching up with Thurm, especially with the, especially with the explosion of production by one James Cook. So looking forward to talking to him about that, among other subjects, as we've got the uh, Cowboys coming to town this week. Thurman, a Texas native, although he's from Houston, right? Not from... He's from Houston, yeah. yeah. Sugarland. He was an Earl Campbell guy growing up. Weren't we all, though, really? (laughs) Uh, He was something. Yeah. and then second hour of the show, the weekly appearance from one Dan Orlovsky. Dan is traveling back from the game we're going to talk about in just a second. From Miami. Yeah, he was down in Miami Monday night. So some of his travels may delay him a bit, but we anticipate getting him on at some point in the second hour of the show. So be sure to stay tuned for that. But now, the thing that lifted everyone's spirits here in western New York last night... The Miami Dolphins, everyone, as part of a Monday night doubleheader, Giants-Packers, the other one, Dolphins-Titans, the AFC matchup. And I watched, I would say, a majority of this game, and it did not begin well for one Will Levis, the rookie quarterback for the Titans, throws a pick six on a screen pass, and the Titans are down early. They would then, after putting themselves in position for a tie game and getting the ball back at 13-all, their rookie return man inexplicably decides to touch a bouncing ball, turns it over, Dolphins touchdown, and then Will Levis with a horrific pitch play behind and at the shoulder of Derrick Henry leads to another turnover inside their 15-yard line. The Dolphins cash in again. They go down 27-13. to with 255 well, left. It's 424 left when they scored their second touchdown. And Tennessee, I mean, they're on life support. Yeah. Well, that is true. What was also true was Miami thought the game was over. Yep. And guess what? It wasn't. They scored a touchdown without using a timeout to make it a one score game, got a two point conversion to cut it to six, and then go right down the field again. And score quickly again. Derrick Henry runs it in for his second touchdown of the game. I thought Derrick Henry was going to go down short and let him run the clock. And the extra point puts him up one with a minute and 40-something left in the game. And I think the Dolphins had one timeout at their disposal. And their last two series were a disaster. Three and out, four and out. Disaster. And they lose a game at home to a four and eight football team. That was the first road win for the Titans this season. And I'll tell you what, Will Levis looked. Will Levis looked really good in those last two possessions for the Tennessee Titans. Very good. Looked a little Josh Allen like. Yeah, he did. He's built like him. He's got an throws arm like, like him. him. Throws like him. He's got the big arm, and he's and he's a you know big brute of a guy. Had an angry run during the game, and just you know. Raised his level through the bad interception. He's exactly like Josh. <laughs> you know? I mean, he's exactly like him. First play of the game, first series of the game, throwing the intercept. That is Josh all to a T. Mm-hmm. And then 
heroically drags the team on his back to victory. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, the Titans down 14, score with two and a half to go or something, or two, a little less than three to go, and go for two, which is like – it's master level clock management, particularly since they got it. Uh-huh. The the stat I was talking to Brownie about this earlier. The stat I heard was if you go for two, it's a fifty fifty proposition, a fifty fifty deal. So you figure you're going to have to go for it twice, even if you miss one, you had to go for the second time to tie it. So they score the first touchdown, go for two, get it. Now they're only down six, and then the extra point puts them up. So that forces the Dolphins to kind of try and move the ball. They can't just, like, take a knee and wait for overtime. The Dolphins have to move the ball to try and win the game, and they just couldn't do it. They just couldn't do it. Tua folded up. Oh, yeah. He turtled. L- literally. Yeah, especially on the fourth down play when the pocket collapsed. Uh, they also, Tyreek Hill had an injury. He was in and out of the football game in the second half. No word yet on exactly what that injury is, at least from what I could gather He said in, online. The in his post-game interview, he said he's been dragging his ankle around all year. He'd been fighting his ankle all year. Right, and it got aggravated. Got aggravated. When he a, got tackled from behind. It on looked, a hip drop. Yeah, it looked like a hip drop type tackle. Yeah. Racing out to the sideline, and it's his. it looked like it was his left ankle that got caught underneath him yeah. there and bent inward awkwardly. You wonder if it's the kind, because those are the kinds that are the high ankle sprains. Yeah. So. It, was, it was not good. And I'll say this, too. Now, he came back. He shook it off, came back, and played well. But he wasn't 100%. And when he's not in the game, Miami is lost. They're different. They are. They're a bad football team when he's not on the field. I mean, I, you can t- make a case that you want us to talk about an M- MVP. Without Tyreek, the Miami Dolphins are a shadow of who they are with him. So then he, you know, he walked. He looked like he was about to be carted off, and then he ends up running off and firing everybody up. Like, yeah. okay. But right, then he goes. On. He gets his ankle taped. He comes back in. He goes back to the locker room. His ankle's not taped. So, and and this is something that he's done a lot this season. He's had to go to the locker room, out of the game, comes back. He's done it four or five times, which speaks to what he said. You know that he's been fighting his ankle all season. Right. That would lend some credence to that statement. Um. Yeah, we're we're getting down to the end here, and Miami's looking vulnerable. Well, they matter of fact, there's stories everywhere. You know, people are all over the Dolphins now. People are like, "Oh, as exciting as the Dolphins' offense is, can you trust them in the playoffs?" You know, these are the these are the narratives being written yeah. by the journalists. But I'll I'll give you this one: the Tennessee Titans are the first NFL team ever to be down 14 points with less than 255 remaining in regulation and win the game without needing overtime. What was that big number again? 767? Yes. Previous teams in this situation (laughs) with 255 left and down by 14 points are 0 and 767 when the game ended in regulation. Now, there are some teams that were in that predicament and won in overtime. But for all the ones that ended in regulation, all 767 of them lost. They're now 1-767. Correct. Goodness gracious. 
That's a. It's a I'll that was an apocalyptic too. loss. It was. It was a. It, it's unbelievable because we're talking about it today. It was an. It was an absolute catastrophic collapse, and we've seen it here in Buffalo. We've seen it a gazillion times, particularly people of my age. If the big greatest comeback game, and then you know the Super Bowl in Atlanta with uh, New England coming back from twenty eight three in Atlanta, uh, the the New England uh, the Indianapolis Colts puking up that lead last year uh, after they fired Frank Reich and and Indianapolis giving up that. Uh, that lead it, for the greatest comeback in NFL history, which overtook the greatest comeback here in Buffalo. We've all seen it. One team thinks they've got it won, and they turn off the switch. They're just trying to get to the end of the game. And the other team is desperate and starts taking risks that are paying off because of the other team's casual attitude. And all of a sudden, you're giving up points right and left. And, sometime, and sometimes it is over. I mean, you can't score that many points, and they can kneel down and win. But other times... You know, if you keep scoring and they keep the switch off, they lose, which is exactly what happened to Miami. Now, here's the thing. A, a loss like this, in some case, we've seen it. In some cases, a loss like that can count for two losses. I mean, you come back the night, you're not the right, you're not right for a while. You know, it, it shakes your foundations, right? You know who they have this week? Who do they have this week? They have... The New York Jets. Oh, goodness. Down good in defense. Miami. Pretty good defense. With And Zach Wilson coming off a 300-yard passing yeah. game. Okay, so I, here's my – and here's why I bring it up. I do, because I do not think that this will shake the foundation of Miami. I think they'll be able to bounce back. from. I don't think this is going to shudder. They're not going to go 0-4 the rest of the way. And I think they will play the Jets and play them tough and probably win. <laughs> but, man, oh, man. A loss like this for a team that doesn't have a you know a solid guy like Tua and a head coach like Mike and you and I both I think Mike McDaniel's a pretty good coach. I think that leadership is going to get them through this. But man, if you if you're at anywhere on thin ice on a loss like this, you're losing the next one and maybe the next two because of a collapse like that. Because nothing you won't feel good about anything you do. Yeah. You know what I mean? You start getting doubts about every good thing that happens to you. Well, it really doesn't matter because we could still blow this. You know what I mean? And it starts to affect the way you prepare. It starts to affect the way you play the game. It starts to affect the way you think about the next play. That's bad. It was bad. <laughs> it was bad. Um, and more. And another thing that was an AFC conference loss for them. Now they have an exemplary conference record at six and three, which is far better than Buffalo at four and five. But it's a conference loss nonetheless, and so you know that hurts. And now you're only two games ahead of the Bills in the win and loss column with four to play. And, you know, the Jets had a nice win last week at home, a a resounding win over the Houston Texans. They injured C.J. Stroud, put him in concussion protocol. He's questionable this week. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that offensive line for the Dolphins is a problem. They struggle particularly when the Dolphins are at the end of a football game and they have to throw, and the opponent knows they're going to throw based on time on the clock, et cetera, and they can't utilize that run game, which works very well for them. It puts undue pressure on the Dolphins' pass protection, and it's not good. It's not good, which is why there are so many timing, three-step drop, bang, the ball is out type of plays built into the structure of the offense. Because, number one, Tua works best in that fashion. Number two, 
the offensive line and its deficiencies are hidden best with that approach, which is why Mike McDaniel right. operates the offense in that way. So The ball has to come out. And I'll say this, too. Even in the midst of that loss last night, late in that game, Tua was making throws on time, and, man, we've seen it. Man, he can drop it into a bucket. And it takes Very accurate. It takes a second for that thing to get there. But one of the throws he made deep to the sidelines to Tyreek last night, late in that game, right on the sidelines, over the top, underneath the safeties, was elite. But it's got to come out on time, and it's got to be there. And it, when the ball is in the air like it is with Tua, there's always that chance that the defensive backs can adjust and find the ball and cover the ground before the ball gets there. Mm-hmm. And when like guys like Josh Allen now, Will Levis we've seen, and Lamar Jackson when these guys with the arm and Justin Herbert, when they throw it, you got to be in position when the ball's out of his hand or you're not, you're gonna be, it's going to get there before you can even turn your head. Um, Tua does give them some limitations in their offense, no question about it. But they've been over to overcome them to a large degree, and we saw a lot of it last night. Um, I'll say this, though. The only reason that was a game of the nature we're talking about is because Tennessee tried to hand the game to Miami. It was 13-13. Tennessee, who's not a very good football team this year, was taking Miami right down to the wire. I mean right down to the wire. It was four minutes to go in the game, and it was 13-13. And Tennessee, who now is 5-8, and eight, and they were 4-8 and eight last night, had no business being on the field with a team like the Dolphins, who were you know playing really well this season. And yet, without two incredibly lucky plays and self-inflicted plays by Tennessee, the Miami had nothing to do with it. Right. That game's 13-13 yep. in the two-minute warning. And you say, well, it's just one game. The Bills are still two games back. That loss in the New York Times playoff machine improved things considerably for Buffalo. After that loss last night by Miami, Buffalo's playoff odds improved from about the low 20% to 49%, and their chances of winning the AFC East went from about 3% to 23%. That shows you what one week can do to shift things in your favor. And I'll say this. And the Bills were the big winners last night. Their playoff odds improved by 23% for one game. That was the highest of all the other teams that were impacted positively on the AFC side of the playoff ledger. <clears throat> the And they don't – we've said this before about other teams, and it's true about the Dolphins as well. They don't make their own schedule, just like we no. said about the – the Dolphins have beaten the Commanders, the Jets, the Raiders. In their last three games. Their the only Patri- game over the a pa- team. Wait, the Patriots, yep. the Panthers, yep. the Giants, and then early in the season, Broncos, when they couldn't win a game, the Patriots again, and the Chargers. Yeah, the Broncos are the only team with a winning record that they have a win against, and when they beat them, they were 0-2. And they went to 0-3. They went to 1-5. They went to 1-5. So the Broncos now are a team that has gotten it together, and they're a completely different squad than when the Dolphins played them, and that's the only team that the Dolphins played that now has a winning record Yeah, and that, have, that they have beaten. They've lost to the Bills. They've lost to the Eagles. They've lost to the Chiefs. And now right. the Titans. So before we get to our topic of discussion with you today at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550, we're going to quickly run through injury updates that Sean McDermott provided to the media late yesterday after we were off the air 
And I guess these kind of qualify as Bill's practice updates, even though the team is not practicing today. They will tomorrow, but they'll be doing it without these two players. Practice updates presented by LECOM, your Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. A.J. Epinesa, who we saw leave last week's game with a rib injury, considered week-to-week by Sean McDermott, and usually when they have that designation, they do not play in the next game. (coughs) Excuse me. And also week-to-week, Micah Hyde with a neck stinger. And it's something he has been dealing with for several weeks this season. He is also considered week-to-week, so a good chance that Taylor Rapp starts in his absence this week, although neither of those players have been ruled out for this week's game. Dalton Kincaid, been dealing with a shoulder ailment. He is considered day-to-day, got his shoulder checked out during the game, but did return and finished against Kansas City this past week. So day-to-day for Dalton Kincaid. And one other item. Defensive tackle Daquan Jones, a media member, asked about his status and the chances of him coming back by season's end. And head coach Sean McDermott characterized it this way. He said, first, there is a chance that Daquan Jones returns to the lineup by the end of the season. Whether that means week 18, first week of the playoffs, we do not yet know. But he said that Daquan has been working hard. He's been here at the facility every day with the strength and conditioning staff and is getting closer, and Coach McDermott put it this way. He does not yet have the green light, but at this point in time, the light has moved from red to yellow. And so he is a step closer to getting back on the active roster and back playing games with his teammates, and that would be a seismic addition to the defensive front. Yeah, and Daquan, to his credit, you and I, you know, bounce around the building we don't get a, we don't talk to players or just about anybody very much I, we bumped into daquan this was like what five weeks ago yeah it was early it was like two or three weeks early after in his, his rehab process yeah he was standing around he had his arm like still had his arm in a sling arm was in a sling bandaged to his chest you know like across his chest and you know how you doing I, you know the pleasantries and I, I said how you know what what's the prognosis i go how long is it going to be he goes well he goes he said like 10 12 weeks which, and this was like week four. Yeah. So it's like 10, 12 weeks. Well, that's week 16. No, it wasn't that in. early. We talked to him like week six. He was saying that. It was, yeah, but the thing was, it was like. Because he got hurt in week five. It was five. like a couple of weeks before the end of the season that he was going to be like, yeah, okay. He goes, yeah. And I go, are you going to, I go, so you got a chance to, he goes, oh, yeah. He goes, and he was like enthusiastic. Oh, yeah. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, like, he, it was fully his he intent. He was determined. He goes, it's fully his intent. I'm going to be, I'm going to be back. And I hope. They let me, and there's a there's spot for me that I can get back, because you know he knows as well as we do, as we've seen a zillion things can change between now and then. You may not want yeah. they might not want him to come back, right? But he's always thought he has always believed in my mind that he is going to come back yeah. and play this season. So that's it's kind of fun to hear that light Approach. at the end of the tunnel yeah. kind of start to shine. We'll see if it if it actually arrives in time for the end of the season and we'll obviously get more information on wednesday when the team is back on the practice field and the first injury report of the week is released but topic of discussion for you today what did the dolphins collapse on monday night football against the titans mean to you when you woke up this morning you can let us know at 803-0550-1888-550-2550 the number to get on board we do have some open lines for you there you can hit us up on the tweet sheet at One Bills Live. But let's go to the phones, and leading us off today is Bob in Hamburg. What do you got for us, Bob? Yeah, I woke up smiling. <laughs> I went to bed. They were losing. I said, uh, 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 
they're going to lose. They could wake up this morning at 7 o'clock, and it, Miami Dolphins lost. I loved it. And by the way, I, the one part about last week's game, I loved how the team gave McDermott the game ball. Uh-huh. And I got to tell you two guys something. My friend Dorothy didn't know nothing about football until I met her. She considers you her soap opera now. <laughs> She's learning so much about football. She's loving it. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. Well, Thank if she you. likes soap opera, she's probably loved the drama of this season as well. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. All right, thanks. guys. Thanks, thanks Bob. Bob. We're going to beat Gales. All right. All right. Thanks. I hope you're Appreciate right. It, Bob. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, a lot of people gave up on the Titans last night when they went down. It was late, 27-13. Also, you know, one of the other things about last night, there were two games on the, the Green Bay Giant game, the Packer-Giant game, and yeah. the Titan-Dolphin game. Um you're not a fan of the two games, the doubleheader, well, simultaneously. Like I tell you, I'm I'm a I've always been a big AFC guy, right? And so if I have that choice last night, I'm I hung with the AFC game the whole night. I never flipped yeah. to the other one. I did I saw that they little. did some cut-ins and they put the the score bug the, up in the, the corner boxes, of the screen. They put two boxes up, yeah. But they put the score bug up yeah. for the other game. Oh, that was nice. So I kept track that way, and it looked like a compelling game. Like it was back and forth there. Well, yeah. Tommy DeVito bringing him back for the field goal. That was great. It's. I thought it was okay. Well, here's the thing. I we can all say yes. Last night it was. I don't fun. have a problem with it. Right, but, but it was fun. It was great because you had two compelling games. And I AFC guess if one FC, yeah, and I you guess had the Tommy DeVito and Sean Stellato, you know, thing going yeah. the, the the agent <laughs> that looked like a cartoon figure. Yeah, the, and the Bills' implications with the Dolphins and the Titans. So it was yeah. good. But you could easily see where it'd be a waste of an evening if you had a 35-3 drubbing and a, and a 24-3 drubbing on the other side. If it was bad football and it was the Arizona for, – like for us, for instance, Arizona and Seattle. You know, I got – I have nothing – I have no skin in that game. Mm. And it was some other teams that we didn't have any skin in the game with. Like it was, if it was, you know, the Rams – and Denver or something, you know, who nobody cares, right? So, and if they were lopsided games, where but both these games were really good. They had meaning because it was late in the season, particularly on the AFC side because of the log yeah. jam. So I liked the two games at the same time because yeah. I could, if I got bored, if, I could flip it back. That's the thing. If one of them turns out to be a dog, you've got an alternative, right? Um, I was just glued to the Miami game for obvious reasons. It's, it was, you know, it's really an opponent coming game. up for us. How's Miami looking? That you, kind of thing. You think about it. There's only about five minutes of that game, real time, that weren't good. It was a 13-13 game no, up no, until the muff tight. punt. Then it was twenty to thirteen. Then it was twenty-seven thirteen, and you think, okay, that's that's when it got bad. That's when everybody turned in for the night. Then Will Levis comes in. I stuck with it. I did too. <laughs> I was holding. I did hope. too. I was like, oh, okay. Then they come back and they come back. Boom, boom. They get a touchdown, and I'm thinking, okay. And they go for two after the first touchdown. Which, man, oh man, that's beyond me. Um, I've always I've always had a lot of respect for Mike Vrabel, but I think he showed the kind of Po- that like late game management that some most guys don't even most fans for sure don't even like what you're going for two why and the the thought is I'm going for he's going for the win he's trying to win the game he was down 14 five seconds ago now he's down eight and he's trying to win it that is an incredible mindset 
an incredible mindset that I think other coaches, even, even the ones here, you got you to look at that and say, man, you got to be there. That's right where you got to be. Yeah. He goes for two. First. First. And then gets it. That's how you go from 0 and 767 to 1 and 767. Yeah. That's how you win games like that. I was I thought it was absolutely and after brilliant. that touchdown and two point conversion, you could just see you everybody on the it. Miami t- sideline <laughs> getting tight. You could super feel it. tight, oh, baby. You could feel it. You could feel it. Yeah. Then they come. <clears throat> Miami goes three and out. Will Levis comes on two and a half minutes to go. Still right. I mean, there's still yeah. a lot of time. He comes in and bingo, thirty six yards to on a DeAndre deep, on a deep Hatton, over to on D-hop. a deep over, and it's like oh, you could. Then it was like oh, how the, it's like Miami can't stop them; they're yeah. done. It's like over. It was over then. Tennessee goes in, scores the touchdown, kicks the extra point to go ahead. It's I mean, it could not have yeah, been. Yeah, but there more was perfect. plenty of time left. Miami had a timeout. Best part about the whole broadcast. They score, go ahead by one. They show Tua Tonga-Vailoa on the sidelines, and he's like got this, like, we got this. Yeah, somebody's I got dapping him up. Hey, and- we got, hey, they left us too much time. We got this. We, all we need is a field goal, dudes. Let's go. He's putting his helmet on. He's going, yeah, yeah. Like, like hey, yeah, yeah, we got it. We got it. We're going to be, watch me be a hero. Check me out. That's, where, that's exactly what he looks like. He's, he's giving the big nonverbal, yeah, yeah, like nodding his head, like, mm-hmm, yeah, I've seen, we've got this. Let's go. And he goes out. And crumbles. Their whole offense crumbles. It was delicious. And on the last play, it was so delicious. Turtled for Bills fans. Yeah. So de- that fourth down play was absolutely yeah. delicious. It was like so. You scary. let a, you let us know what did this Dolphins collapse to the oh. Titans on Monday night mean to you? Let's uh, let's go to Mark in New- in Jersey City here. What do you got for us, Mark? That was a jarring collapse. And I'm uh, Steve. This is the kind of this is the kind of loss that can destroy a team. That I mean, Mike McDaniel, for all his praise, his his timeout utilization, his late game management is not good. He did the same thing in Buffalo last year with some of his wasted timeouts when he had uh, Skylar Thompson under center. And this is supposed to be a dude that was in the MVP discussion. They had the ball twice late game, and they vomited all over themselves. <laughs> There's a lot of smoke and mirrors in that offense, but when that kid. He's so traumatized, and rightfully so. He was concussed brutally three times last year. When he feels it, he, like like, like Chris says, he turtles. He totally just, he cannot make a play above the X's and O's. And in, in order to be a dude in this league and get where you want to go, you have, I mean, Josh, uh, on Sunday with the, with the Murray, the, the, the Murray throw, and, and then the run into the end zone. This coach gets a lot of praise nationally because I think the media identifies him with some, in some weird way. But, you know, and McDermott was feeling the heat last week because the media doesn't identify with him in a lot of ways. And Ben Johnson, all the love he got in the Lions, go listen to them. They're on to him. They can't play. I think they're on to Miami, too. And look at their gauntlet they have coming up. It is a murderer's road. That collapse was Dick Durant, Trent Edwards esque last night. <laughs> well, there, yes, Mark went drought era there. Wow. I'll say this. I'll say this, Mark. <laughs> Thanks we, for the we, call. We talked about that earlier in the show. A loss like this at the wrong time or whatever could like count for two. You know, you hear guys talk about that once in a while, where a loss is so devastating that it counts like they lose the next week because of it. 
and I don't know that this is going to do that to Miami. I like Mike McDaniel a little more than you do. Maybe in this scenario, I think he'll be able to right the ship. And oddly enough, he may use humor to do it. Say, guys, look, look, you know what I mean? And Tua is a solid guy. He's going to come back and give you whatever he's got. He's whatever it is. He's going to be flat. I mean, he's going to be. He's not going to dip because of this. So I think they'll be able to get through this. But you're right. A collapse like this, it does leave some scars. You're, and we'll see if they can come back and bounce back and do it again next week. You're going. Well. You're going against the top five defense this week. That's right. And I'll say this: that's two teams that are coming in off opposite ends of the spectrum. The Jets played as good a football game as they've ever seen, and they got this Zach Wilson who actually looks like an NFL quarterback once. And it's like, now they're like, hey, let's go. Oh, wow, we can score some right. points. And Miami's coming in there going, man, we, we can't even beat the Titans. In fact, we looked horrible losing into, to them. So I know Mike McDaniel after the game last night said, this is the kind of loss that can galvanize a team. So that's the narrative he's trying to craft with his own club, and you understand why, because the alternative is not good. So he's got to push that narrative and hope that his team responds in kind. And we'll see if they do. Yeah, They're playing a New York Jets defense that is fifth overall, eighth in points allowed, and they're also top ten in sacks per play, and they're number two in the league against the pass. So they're not going against a slouch. They're going against a team that knows them very yeah. well, and it's strength on strength here. They're gonna it's have to Dolphins play. offense, Jets defense. Yeah, they're going to have to play and play really well to beat the Jets and score points on the Jets. Uh, Jalen Phillips being out of the Dolphins lineup is a huge loss for them. That hurt him last night. But I'm telling you, it was noticeable without Tyreek on their offensive side of the ball in Miami. They were, they were not the same dudes. Um, it's, I, I, like all of us, I'm going to watch that Miami game next, this coming week and Miami Jets game, and I'm going to, I'm going to watch it close because I, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting now with the Jets rolling in there. Break time for us because when we come back, we have the Hall of Famer here. Thurman Thomas going to join us, talk a little James Cook with him, a guy with whom he texts regularly, there you go. and uh, some other subjects coming up here, including the rest of Buffalo's schedule when we return here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas joining us here in studio. Thurm, how you doing? Happy holidays. Yeah, same to you. Uh, And speaking of the holidays, uh, your family foundation has an event coming up. Holidays 2023, this December 15th. Tell us about it. What's what's going Uh, on? I'm having a little event for our uh, Thurman Thomas and Family Foundation uh, down at the Barrel Factory. Okay. Yeah. I've been there. Yep. Love that place. We had it there last year. Oh, it's great. In their little convention center. So, yeah, it's, uh, we're having it this Friday. We've got about, mm, about 30 more tickets to go. So, right. you know, just okay. putting, a little, putting a little push in for the family yeah, yeah. foundation, you Good know. Stuff. Yeah. All right. So they can get their tickets, I'm guessing, online, right? Online, yes. Yeah. Online. So he's yeah. gonna, we're gonna we'll tweet, get a link we'll for you. Yeah. Yeah. We'll tweet the link out. Yeah, so we'll, on our Bills One Bills Live, Live handle, Twitter we'll tweet Twitter out how you can get tickets yeah. if you're interested in showing up What'd December you, 15th. So, That's this Friday. 
Yeah. It's just Friday, man. Coming up fast. Yeah, yeah. coming up fast. What uh, What do you think so much about the Bills? Uh, winning Kansas City and, and Kadarius Tony's not lining up offsides and all that. <laughs> you know what, man? I, I, I figured everybody's kind of had their say about it. Sure. And, hey, my number one saying from that game, after that game, was how come Cook's not touching the ball in the second half? How's come Cook's not carrying, not the, carrying ball? the ball in the second yeah, half? So, so I, I have an answer for you because Joe Brady talked to the media yesterday and he was okay. asked about that. Um, and he basically said it had nothing to do with trying to get other players involved or anything like that. If you remember in the second half, after the field goal drive, which he was on the field for, mm-hmm. they go three and out and they go three and out again. Now, you can argue part of the reason they went three and out was because Cook was not on the field, but he said we never really got in a rhythm on those next two possessions, and so they never got around to substituting and getting people in like Cook. To me, I would argue put him on the field to start the drive, right? Yeah. I but mean, that was kind of the reasoning from Joe Brady as to why it wasn't. Any, it had nothing to do with, <laughs> right. uh, you know, we're not trying to get Cook the ball. Let's get other people involved. It was more – we never got the next two drives together. And then by the time you got to their next possession, you were already in the fourth quarter. Yeah, well, I, I can say when the, the, but, first, the first couple of drives, I mean, <clears throat> five out of six plays, you threw the ball. Right. But to your point, <clears throat> and I said this yesterday, the guy touched the ball 15 times and had 141 yards of total offense. He's got to touch it more. He's got to, he's <laughs> yeah. got to be up around 25 yeah, at the end of the game. We're thinking 20 is his thing. Right? Yeah, you got to give him 20 exactly. touches, throw 20, a pass. Yes. I don't care if it's 19 catches and one run or 19 runs, one and if, catch. And if he's you do, you're probably scoring more than 20 points. And I'll say this, too. I'll, see what you think about this. Because I, I, after the game, I thought this. At, at first quarter and a half of that Chiefs game, for the first time in five years since Josh has been the dude, there was somebody else who was the engine of the offense Absolutely. for a minute. Just for a minute. Yes, and it wasn't what, Steph. It, it wasn't Steph. <laughs> it was James Cook was the absolute engine. He caught it. He ran it. He did yep. everything. And for that minute or that stretch of the game, for the first time in all those years, you didn't have to have Josh do it all. You know, step into the phone booth, put the cape on, and come back out and make a first down. You know, exactly. Um, I thought it was awesome, and I think that's kind of what happened in the second half. It was like we did so well with Cook. Kincaid and everybody. I mean, Diggs, what, had one right. or two catches? And they were kind of like screens. He had four catches right. for yeah. 24 yards, a couple of drops in there. Yeah, a couple of drops in there. But, I mean, I, I've been saying it since the beginning of the season that this kid needs to touch the ball yeah. at least 15 or 20 times a game. Right. I've been on that train. I've been riding that train with you for about yeah. the past, last month and a half. I mean, he can so catch the nice ball. I, I think the only thing that you maybe worry about is maybe it's blitz, uh, blitz pickup. Yeah, I think that's why Murray that's is on the Murray field on the, on the third down. down. Yeah, but you know what? Put him up on the line of scrimmage. I mean, well, there's you no reason tell you me can't that, have them both on like, the field, the, right? Like the check down? Come on. You can't beat that linebacker? I know he can beat that linebacker. Yeah. There's no way yeah. that he can stay that even if you blitz. That's a perfect time to what? Well, on the screen. We ain't ran a screen all year long. Right. So right. I think Cook has the advantage. It's just – if they blitz, he might not pick it up as well as Murray does. That's, right. that's but, my only. But to your yeah, point, but to your point, there's no reason that Murray and Cook can't be on the field at the same time on third down, and you just use Cook as a wideout, line him up yeah, wide. Exactly. I mean, you do that half the time yeah. he's on the you field. Use anyway. Gilliam yeah. a lot too, the fullback. So yeah. yeah, I mean, replace him with Murray. Yeah, what? And I think too that with Kincaid being as productive as he is, and Cook coming into that role as well, um, certainly that'll help Steph Diggs get back on track. Yeah. Because I think the one problem is, and I was talking about this, and you know what it's like, 
if you can't get, if you're always looking up and you got this guy on your face and then a guy right behind him, it's like you get beat up. I mean, like, golly, come on, man. Right. Give me, you know, let me play. Right. Um, I think a little bit of that happens to Steph where he's like, man, I'm, they're taking me away. Can somebody do something with me over here with like nine guys guarding me? Could right. like the other two, somebody, somebody get open? Somebody got to get right. open. And I think yeah, there's a little bit of that going on. That yeah. didn't happen a ton on Sunday. Like separation was an issue for the receiving core. Yeah. I mean, that, I Cook mean, is your leading receiver with five catches I mean, for 83 look, you, yards. Look at the Chiefs over the past couple. They've gotten better at defense. Oh, their back. defense is a strength. I mean, their, their defense now. is back. The backfield, the back yeah, part yeah. of they have gotten better considerably over the last well, couple of years. They drafted three guys last year. Right. And they're all exactly. coming and Snead, into their own And Snead is good. Yes. He's very, very good. Yeah, and, he, and he's he might be, what, six footers? He's about six foot. Yeah. About six foot. So he's a bigger corner than we're probably used to seeing. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with that. Uh, get more players involved, man. It's uh, and, and I know Steph is like, man, I, I, I need some help. Yeah. And he probably is not saying that, but, you know, we're – we're watching the game, and we say the same thing. Right. And we right. say the same thing. So Okay, so they get arguably the most difficult victory on the road at Arrowhead of the five remaining games that they had. Not that this one's going to be easy either with Dallas coming in. Um, but it feels as though the team, just watching the players coming off the field, seeing them in the locker room after the game, there is this sense like, Hey, we got one of the really tough ones out of the way here, and we got the win. Yeah. What does that do for the team going forward, do you think, knowing you got a really hard one that maybe not everybody thought you were going to get? Yeah. You know, on this, on this run where you know you got to probably get them all. Yeah. Um, I mean, getting that, getting that victory and <laughs> seeing kind of Kansas City kind of explode there at the end or whatever, you know what? Mindset, you know. We we have the best record against them, like yeah, during no, the regular season. That's their fourth regular season win there since McDermott took over. Exactly. Yeah. Nobody's so, beaten Mahomes no, three times yet. No, except for us. Except the for Bills, us. Yeah. And so, yeah. Hey, we took out the big boys. Hey, we should have won in Philly. Yeah, Dallas yeah. just destroyed Philly. Yeah, they they're were. coming in there, but they're going to be at home. We're going to be at home. Yeah, the Bills are a different, different. They're a different, they're a different team when when they're here in that stadium. Yeah. It just is. I, I know the players feel it. Now you think about this. Beat Dallas. Chargers. Back no Herbert. Yeah. yeah. Come on, man. I'll say it's this. Right there, it's right there yeah. for this football Gotta team. Care this and one. I'm going to tell you another thing, too. The rally cry that those guys did, <laughs> I text uh, Coach McDermott. It was like, the old guys got your back. <laughs> That's right. They had his back yeah. in that football game. Yeah. And, and it showed. And it showed. Yeah. Sean McDermott was like a different coach almost over on the sidelines. I mean, it was You saw him it, smile on the sidelines. Right. Just standing there. Yeah, just standing um, there smiling, yeah. It was it was a different atmosphere. After the fourth down play you're talking about? No, no. It was through the whole game. The whole game. Yeah, he yeah. had smiles on his – they showed him, and he was – you know, either what he was listening to on the headsets or whatever, they were talking, the conversation going back, he, had, he was – Light, he seemed more lighthearted, yeah. um, and I also liked at the end of that game the the mentality they showed. Certainly, they're in that last two minute drill when uh, when they were going at the end of the game. We've talked about it a ton. Fans have been coming out. Why did they? Why didn't they run the ball? Get it to the two minute warning. Listen, on first down, they throw it right to Diggs. If he catches that, it's like a running play. He stays in right. bounds, and, right. but he drops it, and then the next play. It's a shot to the end it's zone. It's a shot to the end zone. Not a high and, percentage And I think shot. that's on Josh more than it is on, a, yeah. on Brady. 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 Yeah. 
Yeah, and then you know, the, then the incompletion that, and they didn't get to the two minute warning. They give those guys a chance right, to get back in. Chance, yeah. But I thought the aggression and that mentality of, particularly from the coaching staff, is put given to the players. Listen, we're going to give you these plays. Get it done. Let's go. Yeah. Instead of coaching scared, mm-hmm. listen, we're not we're not coaching a way that won't let you make mistakes. Yeah, is a totally different mindset. Did, you know, talk about what it means to a player when you know the coaches. You can feel it in the play call. <laughs> you can feel it everywhere. Yeah. You can. It's like whatever play call they call, it's going to work. Yeah. It's going to work. And you know what? I'm thinking the same thing. If coach call this play, our mindsets are thinking the same way, and it right. just goes through everybody. Yeah. It's right. just yeah. Oh yeah, we got this play. We've seen that play on film scrimmage on Thursday or whatever. Yeah. We know this play. You it can, just comes in. The I mean it. The comp- <laughs> confidence yeah. level yeah, goes the up. Because really, well, I people- never really saw like McDermott on the side. Because usually he's like clapping and all yeah. like, no, no, no. It was doing this and like, yeah, right. I mean, he was really in the whole sideline. It's like interesting. It. Yeah, it's interesting too because you're right. You're in the, the huddle, and I, I wasn't in the huddle that much. But when you get in the huddle and you they call this play – you think back, you can remember during the week the conversations you had when they installed the play, say, here's what we're going to do and here's why. Here's the da 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 da. So you remember all of that stuff and say, oh, yeah, yeah, all right. And you really feel prepared. And Marv used to say, your team is morale is the highest when you feel you're the most prepared. So when you make a call like that and the guys are like, well, that's exactly the call I was expecting. And man, oh, man, it's, it goes, shoots your confidence mm. through the roof. I can remember a playoff game against Kansas City here. Uh, I think our first time we played the Chiefs, uh, we're in a formation, Andre's in the slot, uh, BB's on the outside, and Lofton's on the other side, and Jim called an audible, knew exactly what. You can see, like, the players look up and go, like, oh, there's J.C. Pearson, the, yeah, yeah. Uh, number 24. <laughs> yeah, for the, yeah. He's one-on-one with Andre. Jim changeable, and you just knew it. I think that's what these guys are feeling yeah. right now. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk more about this Cowboys game coming up. And we have a Rob Ray update for Thurman as well to give him a little ammunition against his good friend Razor. When we come back here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. One Bills Live, Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and the Hall of Famer Thurman Thomas joining us here. All right, Thurman, so Dallas is up next here at Highmark Stadium on Sunday. But as you know, they have some alpha dogs on that team, particularly on their defensive line. Demarcus Lawrence, Micah Parsons, Stephon Gilmore looks like he's found the fountain of youth. He's playing great on the back end. And that Deron Bland kid, who used to be their slot corner, has now moved outside since tra- they lost Trayvon Diggs for the year. And all he's got is five pick sixes on the season, which is already an NFL record. Yeah, I think. But the last couple of weeks have been getting kind of cooked lately. You think They've so? Been putting them on one on one, more one on one coverage, okay. and uh, it hasn't been as good as good okay. as it was at the beginning of the year. I didn't, to be honest, with you, I didn't even know who he was. Mm-hmm. You know, not. Slap against him, but I just didn't know yeah. who he was and where he came from. Because right. you're thinking it's going to be Diggs the whole year, and then some guy stepping in. But, but like you said again, though, Stefan is playing really, really well now yeah. at the age of what? Thirty two. Thirty two. Yeah, and really good. I, I guarantee you, uh, AJ Brown won't call him old again. Yeah, that was a mistake, <laughs> wasn't it? That was a mistake. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're you're, you're it, as much as you know. I, I know he was here. I mean, he's putting in. Pretty good numbers to 
Oh, probably I'd be considered going to the Hall well, of Fame. I think he's a borderline candidate. He was yeah, sure. He, he is. was defensive yes. player of the year. Yeah. Uh, won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. Mm-hmm. Um, was a little bit like those guys are, like Darrell Revis. Kind of at the end of their career, they're kind of mercenaries. They get they hop from team to team. Mm-hmm. Uh, a little bit like like Jalen Ramsey, putting them in the best you situation. Know, they, put, yep. they, they pick their spot and they they parachute in, make a difference on a team, and, and and get good numbers. I think that's why he went to Dallas, thinking he's gonna have digs on the other side, right? Yeah, so yeah. that takes it off. So yeah, um, yeah, I think he's yeah, I, I think he's definitely in a conversation for Hall of yeah. Fame. No, no doubt about it. Linebacker level might be where the Bills have to exploit that Dallas defense because not only do you have to get it out quick, but you may be able to out athlete them at that second level. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's gonna be a tough one. I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, with Lawrence and Parsons, I mean, it's, it's gonna be so crucial for our for 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 Brown, Spencer, and Dion to really, you know. Set that stage early yeah. in the game. You'll need some max protect mixed in there, too. Yeah, I, I mean, some chipping every now and then from the back coming out of the backfield or what have you. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be a dogfight with those guys. But, you know what, even with saying that, you know, like, like we said, I mean, when the Cowboys have faced a legit team, they have not played well. Yeah, they go up to San yeah. Fran and got waxed. Got waxed. And then and I'll say this too, Philly I, was <clears throat> it was okay. But, yeah. you know, against they the— They lost by five on the road to Philly, 28-23, earlier in the season. Got them down in Dallas. It was a different story. Yeah. I wonder if—how's um, my buddy doing, Michael Hyatt? Is he day to week, week to week? Week to week. week, to week. Probably not going to make it this probably week. Probably not going to make it this so week. You're probably we'll looking we'll at be, Taylor Rapp. Yeah. So back hopefully there with he can— Because he you know, I mean, obviously went against that offense mm-hmm. when they were in Green Bay. Yes. So— Got a yeah, right, but Taylor, Taylor Rapp there. knows them too because exactly. he's been in the he's NFC. Been in, yeah, so. so yeah, Dallas has struggled a little bit uh, on the road. Now, certainly opening day, they beat the Giants forty to nothing on the road, mm. but then they lost on the road to Arizona, Arizona Cardinals. They lost to San Francisco big time. They lost to Philly big time. They beat the Chargers by three. Uh, by three. Yeah, that was uh, the shootout game. They beat. They beat Carolina. Commanders. You know, uh, and now you know. So they haven't. You know, they've been at home for three straight. They've won them all. Yeah. Uh, four of their last five, they've been home. Jeez. And five of their it's last seven, they've been It's time for some cold weather, home. baby. Yeah. yeah. Time this for some cold weather. This, this, be... this is going to slap them. Mike McCarthy said this, this is, is going this this is is to slap them. <laughs> Mike McCarthy said yesterday this will be a good test for us because it will prepare us for the playoffs playing a team of this caliber. So there's respect there. Yeah. Um, speaking of respect, Therm, your good friend Rob Ray. Yeah. Is uh, recovering after he took a puck to the to the noggin, to the noggin. while he was in the uh, the red line box for yesterday's Sabers game. Is he, the, guy's the, trying to do his homework, consult his notes, and a puck gets flipped up, knocks him right between the eyes, right between the eyes. I mean, too, dead man. center. Is the puck okay? <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> Like he was shaving his eyebrows. <laughs> he got a piece of toilet paper there, you know, cut himself with the razor. Funny, he, he, Granado was asked about it this today, and to, uh, Don Granado. Donnie Granado said Rob Ray will be making the road trip, and he is day to day with an upper body <laughs> injury. So, so is the puck there, I, think I, think you, I think you need to send him a band aid. The puck the is out of play. The puck is out um, of play. The puck has been sent to the <laughs> right. The puck. To the Hall of Fame. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, Rob, hope you're doing better, and Rob, Rob gets two minutes for instigating. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> for getting in the way. Right. <laughs> yeah. What yeah. do we? That's interference. We get calling for interference. 
Uh, Thurm, thanks for the time as always. Enjoy the game on Sunday. We'll catch up with you next week, and good luck with the event, the holidays event that you got with your family foundation on Friday at the Barrel Factory. And uh, like we said, we will post on One Bills Live where you can get your tickets for that holiday event. Break time for us. When we come back, it's ESPN NFL analyst Dan Orlovsky joining us next, fresh off of that Miami collapse that he broadcast from Miami. He's a, he's a tra- world traveler. We'll catch up with him next here on One Bills Live. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. All right, hour number two here on a Tuesday, and it begins as it has for the previous 13 weeks with ESPN analyst, former NFL quarterback Dan Orlovsky, whose segment is brought to you by Ellicott Hotels. Fans, round up your family, friends, or co-workers for a fantastic game day experience at 500 Pearl. Reserve your pack, book your group event today at 500PearlBuffalo.com. Dan is fresh off the Monday night collapse a titanic collapse by the Miami Dolphins, much to the delight of every Bills fan in the eight counties of western New York who, if they didn't stick with the Titans, woke up, much to their delight, happier than ever on a Tuesday morning uh, as there is now just two games in the win column separating the Dolphins from the Bills. And uh, we'll, well, let's talk about that game first, and then we'll get to the Bills' upcoming matchup with the Cowboys here, Dan. Um I know you were impressed based on your commentary with Will Levis. He looks like the real deal for that Titans club going yeah. forward. They have their new franchise quarterback, in my estimation. I think you feel similarly. Um, in your opinion, do you think, based on the way you saw the Dolphins play that last four minutes, that they thought the game was won after that turnover on the pitch play? Uh, yeah, I think in the context of the game, they thought that, hey, as long as we don't make any mistakes, that they're not good enough to go score twice on us. I, I really believe that that's how they viewed it. Uh, and, it, you know, like if you go back, first of all, Chris, it sounds like you were the leading charge for the joyous. Oh, I, was <laughs> I was at the front. I was the drum major, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it was really interesting. I, I kind of talked about it during the game is, you know, they go up by the two scores. And then Will methodically leads them down the field and, you know, his patience showed off. And, you know, then Miami got the ball. And my, like, surprise wasn't that they went run, run. It was that they went run, run without Tyreek on the field. You know, it was – if you're going to go run, run, put Tyreek on the field, set him in motion. He's going to pull – he was pulling guys all night towards him, the the gravity that he had. So – I think that was my surprise. Um, and then th- the way that, you know, they essentially just let them march right down the field again and, and never really challenged them. So I think if you're Miami, it's, it is a, a rough day today to know that you, in many ways, let one slip away or gave one away. And I know that they were dealing with injuries, and, and that's a very fair kind of point when it comes to what they were dealing with. But that's a, that's a loss that's – that that's not going to sit well. And 
And no matter how I listen, I'm a fan of the Dolphins. I am. I, I, I like their coach. I like their players. This happened last year. Is this the is this the repeat of it? You could say what you want. Next week will not be a cakewalk versus the Jets. I just don't believe it's going to be the repeat of Black Friday. And then they got that final three-game stretch, which is brutal. There's a lot in this Tennessee-Miami game because there's a couple of things. First, wow, Miami looks really different when Tyreek is not on the field. Uh, When he went out, I mean, they look pedestrian offensively. And two, you know, Tyreek was on the field some, off the field some. This happened – the injury happened early, no question – but two, mm-hmm. this game was 13-13, and you said that Miami kind of feel like they gave one away. Tennessee tried to give it to them twice, and Miami wasn't yeah. good enough to make it happen. I mean, this, Tennessee was toe-to-toe with the Dolphins throughout thir- three-and-a-half quarters, three-and-three-quarter quarters. So there's yeah. a lot in this about how good Miami is, how good they're going to be, and certainly the collapse. But Tennessee gave them all they wanted even before the two turnovers. Absolutely. And we kind of felt that way, you know, Lewis and I certainly like, because we've been around Vrabel long enough, he just makes everything ugly and muddy. And if you catch that one break, you know, two of fumbles, it was interesting, Steve, because um, you kind of saw, if anybody's a basketball fan, it was like watching the Lakers without LeBron, you know, Tyreek controls the game in many ways, pre and post snap. I mean, when you, when I have, you know, I'm sitting in the press box and you're watching Tyreek on the field and he starts from one place and goes to the other and the ball's not snapped that you, the, the control that he has over the defense is shocking. Everybody moves. And then when the ball gets snapped, everyone's paying attention to him. And so, you know, when, when he's out of the game and it's tough, I'm sure, because they run their offense through him. You could see that they were searching for answers. Okay. Well, Wait, I, like if you think of their their playbook goes from like the cheesecake factory to five guys, you know, just it's endless to like, <laughs> hey, we got like three options now, you know, and I think that's kind of what happened. I, like, if I was Miami today, I think the thing that I'm most disappointed about that is not that is an offensive line that has struggled mightily mm-hmm. in Tennessee. They got a rookie left tackle and a rookie left guard. Their their edges got tore up last week versus Indianapolis. Our edges could not get home. Like if I'm if I'm Miami, we couldn't get after their offensive line at all to pressure Will Levis, especially late. And so um, it's one game. It's not the end of the world for them. But you also have to like treat it with reality of going, hey, maybe we aren't as premier as we thought we were. All right, so let's move on to Buffalo. You know, big road win at Kansas City. Certainly wasn't perfect. Yeah. Even Josh said, we got a lot of stuff we got to clean up, and he's right. Um, but the way the defense is able to close out that game, granted they get him in long down and distance after the penalty, but it's Von Miller, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd on those last three plays to kind of close it out and let the offense kneel it out. Ed's always been Ed has been at the center of this for most of the season, and he has been playing premier football. What kind of impact would you say he has had pretty much all season long for this group up front? He's been the best player in the defense in a, in a, not only like, you know, in a, in a way that he's always been in many parts, but like in a needed way because of the injuries, you know, I, I thought, Epinesa played really good as well. Obviously, mm-hmm. the interception and his feel, he probably has a tell pre-snap of, you know, if, if a guy sets. 
I thought the one of the more impressive things for the defense for me was um, how they got some of those guys on the tackle matchup that they wanted. You know, I, I, they, they got Vaughn one time, but that's where he always is. They had actually Ed outside one time on one of the tackles, you know, one-on-one pass rush opportunity. And then Williams, the backer, they got him in a pass rush situation yep. in a one-on-one opportunity as well. So uh, I, I thought it was really smart and really tactical of, hey, we, we know that Kansas City's offensive tackles are the issue with their football team. And they wanted to attack that. And so Ed was awesome. Ed's been fantastic all year. If he could get a couple of those other guys to come along with them, that, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, and just to dovetail off what you mentioned about Dorian Williams, and because I know you watch film and you're probably aware of this anyway, but for our fans, that was something that they had previously done against the Chiefs in years past using Milano as the rusher. Correct. It was interesting mm-hmm. to see them use Dorian Williams in that same way on Sunday. Yep. What yeah, do you, yeah what? it was smart. Yeah, it, it, it was smart to see that that they, that they go that got they got those matchups uh, in their favor. And obviously, this game ends, and there's the huge play with that the it's brilliant play that Kelsey makes, laddering it to Tony mm-hmm. for the touchdown. That he does it in practice, and I and I've told other people when you do stuff like that in practice, it raises the antenna of your teammates. And they, yeah. like I don't think that caught Tony completely off guard. And, of course, the play didn't count because of the now infamous offsides call. Um, and, you know, we can talk a lot about, you know, that. I, I want to forget about that one call for a minute, though. Dan, I want to talk to you about officiating in general. And I've been spouting this theory for a couple of weeks now. We've seen so much offic- so many officials' calls get thrown into the middle of these one loss wins and losses, the close games. Sure. It's my theory and, and my belief that the league is all about parity. You got a team you got teams like the Houston Texans that are beat, you know, you got small teams beating big market teams. You got all these teams, the league and especially in the AFC, you got six teams with the yeah. exact same record. The league is yeah. really evened out. You've got a, a huge percentage of the games that are coming down to one-score games. I have thought that, hey, when you get into games like that, both when I played and when you played, when you, these games that we've watched as broadcasters and media people, that's what happens in close games. It comes down to a no-call or a ticky-tack call or a call that you should have made or that I should have made that nobody made, a missed call or a non-call. They're magnified. Or a, or a call that they're all magnified because of the magnitude of the moment in the game because there are so many more moments like that now that you have to notice them. And now we're we're condemning all the officials. And my take is, listen, this is the way it's always been. But because the league is from top to bottom is so tight, it's all magnified. Even though it's the same calls we've been getting for decades – now you got replay. You can look at them again. <clears throat> we can make sure. a big deal. You can reverse some of them that are wrong. Um, so in, yeah. my, in my estimation, the league's kind of – it's a symptom of a league that is hyper-competitive right now. Yeah, I, I think it's a good thought, Steve. I've never really heard anybody kind of explain it that way. Um, I have kind of probably shared the same feeling as you. I've never thought officiating was good. I've never right. thought officiating was bad. I've always just thought officiating is what it is sometimes – to your point, the call goes your way. I was on a team that we played in Dallas in the playoffs late in the game. They threw a pass interference flag. They um, 
reset the down for an automatic first down. They moved the change. They wound the clock. We were in the huddle. Play stopped, and they waved the flag off, and we had to replay fourth down or go to fourth down. So you've always been a part of that. I I do think social media – you know, has, has certainly heightened it and the awareness of it to your point. Like I did a massive tape on NFL live yesterday about the Kadarius Tony offside stuff 10 years ago, Steve, I would have never been able to do that because I would have never had access to all 22 within right. 24 hours, of the game getting played. And I certainly wouldn't have had the technology to kind of do something like that. So yeah, there's just so much more access. I don't think you're all that wrong saying it's always been this poor and it'll always be a massive conversation because in the call, someone has to go get their event, get it to go their way, and someone doesn't. The Super Bowl last year went the Chiefs' way, and and the other night it didn't. I get their side, I do. Yeah. I get Philadelphia's side in the Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Last one I've got for you, Dan. Uh, concerns Bills Cowboys. This seems like it's very much going to be a game determined in the trenches for the teams on both sides of the ball. Um, what if anything? <laughs> has worked with some measure of success in slowing down that Dallas pass rush by other teams this year. Uh, this, yeah, so the Dallas pass rush, I, I can, you know, obviously I, I know both of these teams relatively rel- well right now. To slow down the Dallas pass rush, first of all, you have to be fantastic on first down. You, you can't, you, this isn't, hey, let's get them to third and three game. This, you know, you saw it a little bit last week, even more so early runs with Josh's legs mm-hmm. just to get them to think. I do think, again, this is a game where you got to put Micah Parsons in conflict in many situations. He, he's the driving force of it. This defensive line wants to create chaos. That's all they want. They just want chaos. If you think of the offensive line as basically like five pieces that are connected as one, I don't care. They're, they're, they have to stay on the same levels with each other and as connected as possible. Dallas wants them all to be dispersed. That's all they want. It's just chaos. They don't care if it's it's a disaster, but if it's chaos, they think one of their guys can get home. And they do a great job of picks and stunts and running into people. And so you're, you're not going to live on third down. Now, Josh's legs on third down could be a huge part. They are every week, but even more so because – you know, once they get all moving around and whatnot, they create some seams. Um, the, I, I don't know if this defense is um, – I think this defense is a, a good unit. I don't think this defense, as long as you don't play, let it play to its strengths, is a dominant defense. They're going to give you underneath completions – they don't think that you are going to be – and it's not an easy completion like a zone completion. You're just going to have the chance to to sh- throw short routes right now and let your guy catch and run with it. Um, and then on the flip side, I-, I think this is a Taron Johnson game. If he plays his best game of the year, I'm telling you, D- Dallas, you got to do two things against this offense right now. You got to cover 88. If you can't cover 88, I don't care who you are. And now I think a lot of teams do it stupidly. Like Philadelphia last week was playing man coverage. They had Darius Slate covering Michael Gallup and Roby covering CeeDee Lamb. I, I, it makes no sense to me. Yeah. Um, and you gotta, you gotta change coverage at the snap exotically. You can't just go from cover two to cover three. It's gotta be, you gotta get Dak confused because right now he is firing on all cylinders. Dan, thanks very much. Appreciate the time, as always. We'll catch up with you next week.
Have a great week, guys. All, All right, right man. take care. That's Dan Orlovsky, NFL analyst for ESPN. Did the Monday night game last night. Always good to catch up with him. And speaking of Monday night's game, that is our topic of conversation for you at 803-0550, 1-888-550-2550. What did the Dolphins collapse to the Titans on Monday night football mean to you when you woke up this morning? And we'll go right back to the phones. And for a man who's been waiting patiently, we go to Brad in Orchard Park. What do you got for us, Brad? Hi, Steve and Chris. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. Good. Great. Uh, first time caller. Want to wish you guys a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Yeah, to you as well. Um, thanks. So when I woke up this morning, I went to bed and uh, um, I thought Miami was going to win. And when I went to bed, I woke up, I saw Tennessee had won. And first thing that popped in my head was that they have just made it where the Bills play in Miami, and Miami is most likely now going to be for the division uh, uh, East championship. Because I always had it where Miami was never going to be able to beat Dallas or Baltimore. But now with that loss, what it means is that if if they do lose to uh, Dallas and Baltimore, which they should, it means Bills don't have to run the table. And if Bills, um, and it also means that um, Miami can now win one of those games in an upset and the Bills would still have to run the table. Um, but it just opens up the door to that big game in Miami being for the division championship. Yeah. Anyways, I'll let you guys comment on that. Yeah, sure thing, Brad. I mean, I, we're not quite there yet, but the door is has now been cracked open. I mean, it's still a two-game gap with four games to play. You're right. They have a bear of a schedule here down the stretch. I don't think the Jets game's a gimme for them either. I mean, we just heard Dan talk about it, Steve, but – we were running running it down in, in the segment before he even came on. Right, you know the Jets are a top five defense, and yeah, it, it went bad in the Black Friday game a couple of weeks ago. You know they're throwing a hail mary to the end zone at the end of the first half. Miami intercepts it and takes it back ninety nine yards for a touchdown. That was like a fourteen point swing right there at the end of the half. And the Jets' offense at that time just wasn't in a position to come back. And I think Tim Boyle started that game. He's not even on the team anymore. Right. Meanwhile, Zach Wilson's coming off a 300-yard passing performance in, in a convincing win over the Houston Texans, who granted lost C.J. Stroud during the game. But that Jets team's flying pretty high right now, yeah. and they can play defense. I mean, that's the number two pass defense in football. They're not going to make it easy on them. They make nothing easy on anybody defensively. Yeah, they're going to have – they're going to have their work cut out for them in Miami to do it. And um, it's we'll, – we'll wait and see. But, yeah. The, and then it's, it's Dallas-Baltimore. It's a different landscape. Uh, no question. Uh, they've got the Jets in Miami. Then they've got Dallas in Miami. Then they go to Baltimore. And then they've got the Bills in Miami. So and, three of their last four are at home for Miami. But they go to Baltimore who are – you know, nobody's playing any better football in the league than Baltimore. So, yeah, for for us here in Western New York, Bills got to mind their own business and, and win games. Yeah, if Just they do winning. that, everything's in front of them, and yeah. it won't matter what Miami does. The last thing you want to do is one coach I had a long time ago. He called it paper shooting. Don't read the paper. Yeah, don't paper shoot, which was which was kind of a twofold thing. It was one, just because you beat a team. That the team you're playing next didn't beat doesn't mean you're going to beat that team. Right. It's like not a, a plus B does not always equal C. That is right. If um, A equals C and B equals C, A does not always equal B. Yeah. So that, yeah. Is that the transitive property? I have no idea. I made it up as I went along. Uh, anyway, <clears throat> the point here is, yes, 
there is a greater chance now that the Week 18 game, Bills at Miami, could mean something, maybe even the division title, but we're still a ways away from that. Buffalo still has a lot of their own work to do, starting with a pretty tough game this week against Dallas. Fortunately, that is here at Highmark Stadium. Uh, So there is work to be done on the Bills' side of the ledger, but yes, the loss last night, at least in my estimation, opened that door a crack now because they win last night up three games with four to play. Yeah, that's tough. They they would really have to screw that up royally to let I the Bills back into the equation. The difference between last night just being a tough loss or and what we saw last night was this. If anything happens to Tyreek, they're done. They're dead in the water, in my opinion. They forget it. Just they got a tough wow. schedule and without Tyreek, they're they're dead. They can't score enough. But even with Tyreek, they got some problems. Their offensive line is not good. Their defense is gettable, particularly when they lost Jalen Phillips. They got their pass rush evaporated. Yeah, he's their best pass rusher. I mean, and they still have Bradley Chubb, but that guy comes and goes. He, yes, you he's, see, he's good for a series, and it disappears for two quarters. Right. So what last night did was not only handed the Miami Dolphins a loss, but it also gave us, but me and you in particular, because we don't watch those guys, very, we gave us a chance to get to know who they are and – I don't know if they're going to measure up in the long over the long haul yeah. here at the end of this season. Um, it gave you some hope that they are gettable, not just by your team, but by a couple of other teams they've got yeah. on their schedule. That's, I think, what people are trying to take away from maybe a little prematurely. Maybe. But, you know, that's the kind of what we're, we're transposing onto the Miami Dolphins from here in western New York. Oh, that got beat by a, a four-win Four and eight Tennessee that team. That hadn't won on the road yet. Then that was their first road game, and, and Tennessee did everything they could possibly do to hand it to them yeah. late with a two touchdown lead. Mm-hmm. That's a problem. So that makes Miami seem ultra vulnerable. Yeah. So that may be a little bit of an overstatement from where we're sitting. And but one more thing. Nevertheless, I think that's where we're at. One more thing about that week 17 game at Baltimore. Don't think the Ravens have forgotten about the colossal comeback that the Dolphins staged on them in week two last year in that building. They're going to remember that. Well, that was in Miami. No, it was in Baltimore. Oh, was it? Yes. <laughs> week two. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Let's go to Kevin in Williamsville next. What's up, Kevin? This may be an old subject that uh, we've all been talking about, but it has to do with kickoffs. And how many times are we watching games uh, through the weekend and through the week, uh, where we see kickers kicking out of the end zone. Uh, as sophisticated as the NFL is, I'm really surprised that here we are, not going to in 2024, and we still have this this kickoff that goes out of the end zone, ball in the 20. Um, why don't we, uh, if I could use a golf analogy, if a golfer is 100 yards out from the pin and he uses a pitching wedge to place it as close to the pin, why don't we have kickers who are professional athletes and paid millions of dollars uh, have and have the wherewithal to keep the ball in play um, and and penalize those teams that kick it out of the end zone or reward the team that kicks it through the upright or we kick it off at the five or just give them all the ball in the 20. I just think that that play, which was stereotyped as being the most exciting play in football, a kickoff, is just becoming a waste of time. And I love to see more creativity of the NFL of taking kickoffs and 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 uh, be more creative to keep the ball in play, or to reward the team that kicks it through the upright 
or just mix it up from what it yeah. is. It's I, just to me, yeah, a waste I get what you're Well, there's a lot in your question, Kevin, and it's a good question, and you're right. Um, the problem is this, uh, with that, with, with your assertion. It's <clears throat> what, they, what they'll tell you is it's the most dangerous play in football. You're right. It's the most exciting play in football. It's the most dangerous play in football. That's why they've begun to tinker with it. And kicking the ball out of the end zone means one thing for the team that kicks it. You're not giving up a touchdown on a kickoff return. Conversely, it used to be, and in recent past, since they changed those rules and made it a standing start, you remember it used to be, and some kids maybe not remember this already, but you'd get a running start to kick the ball off like they still do in college. Yeah, the cover guys. Yeah, the cover guys. Well, when they changed that, it was for safety reasons. Now, all most of eight of the 11 guys on the return team have to be within 10 yards of the restraining line of the, where the ball's kicked. And the kicking team, conversely, has to be right on the wall, ball, line with where the ball is With eight guys as well. With, a, with 10 guys. So they, they've changed it that way. So what teams did is exactly what you propose in your question. They had kickers kick the ball as high as they possibly could and land it just short of the end zone so that they had to make a decision. They had to catch it and return it. Well, what happened was teams were covering it so well they were never getting to the 20. Um, it was worse than it was field position-wise before they made the changes. And it's still the most dangerous play in football because there's more concussions per, per play in the, on kickoffs and kickoff returns than in any other play in football. So they changed it again. Now they give teams the, the freedom to fair catch it when it's in the field of play and still get it at the 25. Why? Because they want to reduce concussions. They're that trying were still to reduce happening despite some of the initial rule right. changes. They're trying to make it safer. So you're right. There is, n- and when I sat in on the kickoff summit, a meeting in which I I talked entirely too much. I'll probably never be invited back. <clears throat> the the thought from the league was, and all the experts, the guys who are really smart, they want to keep the kickoff in the they they want to keep the f- the finger quotes foot in the game. They don't want to take punting out. They don't want to take kickoffs out. They don't want to take field goals and field goals out. They don't want to take any of that out, but they're going to try and tinker with it to make it acceptable statistically, at least injury-wise. And you're right. There's great creativity available to the kickoff because there's no rule. They can make the rules, whatever they want. They mm-hmm. can say the kickoff team starts at the goal line, and then you kick it. You know, They can really open it up. Um, all of that stuff is on the table. But they're still searching for a solution that will let teams kick it off in some traditional fashion and put the ball in play where guys don't get a concussion every other time you kick it off. Um, that's kind of where you're at. Bottom line is the league sacrificed creativity in the name of safety. And that's essentially what that's has right. happened here. But they're also open to stuff like you're talking about, like reward them with a point if they can kick it through the, field, the uprights or move the kickoff way back so it becomes more questionable if you kick it. If you kick it out of the end zone, um, that's one thing. But if you field it and bring it out, you're usually going to bring it out past the 25. And then you're going to have exponentially more kickoff returns for touchdowns. And it's going to put more emphasis on that game. If you kick it off from your own 20 instead of your own 35, it's going to be hard to kick it through the end zone. 
and how many fair catches will you see then? But the more returns you see on a kickoff, the more kickoff returns you see, conversely, the more concussions you're going to suffer because, guys, it's the one play in football where guys are running at each other and nobody trying to get out of the way. They're banging into each other and say, let's go. And it's concussion city. So they got to figure out a way around all that. And, that, and maybe so, some of your ideas might maybe be entertained. Some of your, yes, some of your ideas were unquestionably entertained already. As well, much as you've thought about this, Kevin, from Williamsville, the NFL has put hours and upon hours and hours of a lot of guys who know what they're talking about have put a lot of thought into this. Yeah. Break time for us here, but Anthony in Hamburg, Joe in Akron, Rich in Tonawanda, stay where you are. We'll get to you and your phone calls when we return. Here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. At the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown, snapdragon apples. This Bills season, head to Wegmans and other local retailers to experience the epic flavor and monster crunch of snapdragon apples, the official apples of your Buffalo Bills. Going to get right back to the phones here, as we've been asking you today. What did Miami's colossal collapse at the hand of the Titans on Monday night mean to you when you woke up this morning? We go to Anthony in Hamburg next. What's up, Anthony? Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good. Uh, good. First time Bills fan, first time caller. Thanks. Uh, so, actually, grew up in the Fort Lauderdale area as a Bills fan. So, I've been taking um, taking it pretty hard my entire life. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it got to a point, you know, watching the Bills lose through the '90s and the Super Bowls, and uh, up until now, living in Buffalo, that you know, if we beat the Dolphins twice in a year, that's you know, usually the best part of. <laughs> Best part of my season, right? Um, with the amount of smack I get to talk to my friends down in South Florida and, and whatever else. So, um, to Google that score this morning and see that they lost by a point in the last three minutes of the game was the best news of my week so far. Um, but not only that, to see them lose, uh, you know, a, a division rival like that, and you know, still breathe some hope into the Bills' uh, season, which I feel like Buffs seems to lose pretty quick. Um, you know, only living here the past three years. That's probably one of my biggest gripes about Buffalo uh, is how fickle the media is and how <laughs> how they support them one second and then they do bad and it's it's all doom and gloom and there's nothing left. So, um, yeah, I hope the the win or the loss rather uh, that the Dolphins had and the win the Bills had really you know helped get some life back into to Buffalo for the team because um, you know I think Buffalo is a very unique fan base and you know I graduated from Florida State University and. It's probably the only thing that reminds me uh, or, or closest experience I've had to being at a college football experience, you know, on on game day, uh, living in Buffalo with the amount of support and everything the fans give. Yeah. Uh, it's awesome. You know, it's nice to be among the herd, you know, uh, only have living in Buffalo for three years and have visited my entire life. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's cool to be in that kind of environment again. Environment again. All right. Well, welcome right. Uh, to Good Western stuff. New York, man. Glad you're up here. I know. I, I got a... <clears throat> Not for nothing, Anthony. I I appreciate you in Hamburg. I got a call from my mom, ninety three, and they live in a small town in Kansas. Uh, so you can imagine they're in a retirement community wearing Bills gear, and everybody's wearing Pat Mahomes jerseys. Uh, and I tell them, and I tell a lot of people this, that they are pilgrims in an unholy land. 
Uh, <laughs> and he lived it in South Florida for most of he his lived life. It. Anthony, you lived it in Fort Lauderdale, no doubt about it. So kudos to you, and thanks for the call. Let's go to Joe in Akron next. What do you got, Joe? Hey, guys. Uh, first thing, you guys do a great job. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you. Um, as far as the game goes last night, I went to bed when the guy fumbled that punt. Oh. And I said, oh, it's over with. I woke up, and I actually started laughing. I said, this is great. It's be a good day. <laughs> yeah, nothing like rolling out of bed and looking at your phone and going, whoa. Great. Okay, so here's my question. It seems like the, the, the games that are played in the 4 o'clock hour, the second games of the day, they have more TV commercials than the games do at 1 o'clock. And I'm thinking, what are the players doing during all these during all the commercials like this? Are they strategizing, or can't they, or what what happens? Um, here's the thing: I, I don't think uh, they may, but I don't think that's true. I think the league is pretty pretty serious about the number of ads that you have. Now, maybe there is a different protocol for the four o'clock games. If I'd have known about you, I, I got people I can call to find that out. I can tell you one thing that did happen this week with the Bills-Chiefs game. Almost the whole first quarter went by without oh, a commercial yeah. break. Yeah, there you go. The reason why was because the 1 o'clock games in the ran larger late. markets ran late and were still going. And That's in right. order for the ads in the major 4 o'clock game, which was Bills-Chiefs, to air to all those markets – they had to hold, hold those breaks yeah, okay. until it. the second quarter. So perhaps yeah. Joe watching the second quarter is like, we're going to break again? That's exactly What is going right. on? Yeah, we're that's going exactly to break again? Happened. Brownie, you're exactly right. They that's had to make happened. up all those ad breaks that's that they exactly. couldn't go to in the first quarter. That's exactly what happened. And, and that's your answer right there, Joe. That Yes, they got ads, ad revenue, up. and they're backed up because you're right. I was waiting for the Bills game to come on, and it – Took for, and when, I'll say this, when the Bills came came on, they were lined up and ready to kick it. Mm-hmm. There was no, hey, how you doing? We're here from the booth. We're going to get this thing going. And I, no, no. It's like, and here's Tyler Bass to kick it off. I mean, that was it. <laughs> Welcome uh, to The that. game came on. So uh, they, that's right. And you'll see that once in a while when the game takes place like that. It used to happen to our games when the no huddle was going on and they never, we never took a break, you know. Uh, they'd have to wait and, and do breaks between series and that kind of thing. So, um, that's exactly your answer. It probably did feel like those 4 o'clock games, or at least the ones this weekend, were a little bit packed because all the commercials that would run early in that game were held until yeah. later because of the late-running 1 o'clock games. That's a good call, Brownie. You're exactly right. Let's go to Rich in Tonawanda next. What's up, Rich? Hey, how are you guys doing today? All right. Thanks for taking my call. Uh, first, I'd like to just say one thing to Steve. Steve... You deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. I watched you play, and you were awesome. I, I, I just really enjoyed watching you play football. I appreciate it, Rick. Thank you very much. What, what else you got on your mind? Okay, the Dolphins, uh, they don't mean too much to me. I look at Buffalo, and I say, just win your games and don't worry about the yeah. Miami Dolphins too much. Uh, other than that, I got a real good question for Steve as, because he is a player. I'd like to know why the Bills are having such a difficult time uh, covering this, what I, the little flipper swing passes to the, to the outside. I'll tell you why. Because, it, because they'd rather have the quarterbacks 
of the opponents throw the ball behind the line of scrimmage than down the field. I mean, they're they're in, they almost in, ter- not all the time, but maybe more than you'd like. They invite that throw because they they have faith that they can make the tackle, that they'll rally the football, and their secondary at the edges they can tackle well. Um, that's probably the reason why you see it. Uh, that's why the Bills do it against certain teams, and you know, even in this Kansas City game, two things: one, the defense has given it to them with soft coverage, and two, like the Bills did, they're setting up the defense to start jumping it and then getting them with a big play. It didn't work that way for Buffalo because Josh missed Gabe Davis wide open on the check. That two well, minutes it did work. He just didn't it worked, see it. but Josh didn't throw it. Didn't um, yeah. Gabe Davis was standing by himself on the five yard line going in. And Josh just missed him. He didn't even see him. Um, otherwise, it's a touchdown for Buffalo instead of the field goal at the end of the game. Um, that's why. I think Sean McDermott and before him, Leslie Frazier, um, throw the football behind the line of scrimmage. Let's go. Get it to the guy quick, and we're going to come rally and make the tackle. Because you can get more people behind the ball to defend it rather than getting beat over the top where you only have one guy to defend it. Right. And then the play is over if he beats that one guy. That's right. You want to be able to attack with numbers, and you can do that better by inviting plays to the line of scrimmage. Let's go to Jack in Buffalo next. What do you got for us, Jack? Hi, guys. Yeah, I watched it last night, and I really got upset with the Dolphins when the two uh, bad luck ha- plays happened to their opponent. And the Dolphins were dancing and doing their tricks, you know, and, and doing wheelbarrows and, and, <laughs> oh, and making bad. a big deal as if they had done something. And they hadn't done a damn thing but be lucky. So I, I think they got what was coming to them. And I think maybe they sort of felt that because those 14 points were handed to them on a plate. And the other thing I wanted to say was this confirms my notion that you should never play soft at the end of the game if you're on defense. You play hard, and if you don't stop them and they get the score, you get the ball back anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll say this, and you're right, Jack. The Dolphins were, oh, my gosh. They were over the top in their celebrations last night for those two touchdowns. They had a wheelbarrow race. They had a wheelbarrow race, and they had like a, like a, this, I don't know, strip tease kind of thing, booty dance they did yeah, after the second was. one. It was, they were off the, they were going crazy. Because the fi- they were in a, they were in, it was 13 13 before they got gifted two touchdowns, and the stress relief was obvious, man. They were like, oh, yeah, all right. Yeah. Oh, they went crazy. Went the only thing crazy. they were missing was a disco ball. That's exactly right, man. They maybe went, a pole. They went nuts with the TV celebrations, and it just added to the delicious flavor oh. of that collapse. Like lapping up chocolate Oh, my pudding, gosh, like just, rub, just rub it on my face. <laughs> yeah. Give me some more chocolate pudding, <laughs> Drop please. It a- 14-point lead in two minutes to lose. <laughs> All right. um, yum, yum, give me some. Yeah, we got to take a break here, though. <laughs> uh, try to squeeze a call or two in when we come back here on One Bills Live. Presented by Collider Health, it's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, welcome back to One Bills Live. Going to jump right on the phones, try to get to as many people as we can, and we lead off with Al in Clarence. What do you got for us, Al? Yeah, I think the the league is inviting trouble with all these celebrations. Uh, uh, back in the day, they'd have Icky Woods go to the sidelines and uh, do his celebrations. Uh, I think, you know, another team's going to get 
really pedoed and uh, there's going to be an incident, you know? Uh, maybe. It depends, you know, if, yeah. I mean, you, you, yes, you run that risk if it becomes disrespectful or anything like that. Uh, there's still, even though these guys are doing all these rules and, and these celebrations, there are still rules about what they can and cannot can't do. Can't use the ball as a prop. You can't dunk it on the crossbar or the uprights. So there are still some restrictions. You can't use other props like the famous Joe Horn cell phone under the padding on the right. goalpost. <laughs> so even though they're doing, you can celebrate with your teammates, yeah. but you cannot um, reference or disrespect directly your opponent. opponent. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Uh, let's squeeze one more in real quick. Dan in Rochester. Dan, what do you got? You got 30 seconds. <clears throat> Hey, guys, yesterday morning after the Bills win, I predicted that Brable would somehow engineer an, uh, an upset. And, well, I said either Tua or Tyreek Hill would get injured, and we're going to go on a streak. They're going to go on a losing streak. We're going to win the division. Tell me what you think. Uh, I'm going to say I hope you're a soothsayer, Zoltar, somebody. <laughs> I hope you're as right about the rest as you were about the first couple of things. Yeah. And uh, if you are, tell me what I'm getting in my stocking for Christmas. <laughs> Get back to us. Tell me what lottery numbers to buy. That <laughs> too. Uh, all right. Good show today. Thanks for all your participation. We're glad uh, that the Monday night game had everybody smiling just as much as the Sunday game in Kansas City. Uh, hopefully those two trends continue. Uh, yes, going to be a fun week. Uh, big home game coming up against Dallas. We're going to be starting to talk about that tomorrow almost exclusively. So, Let's go. See you then. It's a big one. We'll turn the page and get to Buffalo, Dallas in earnest on Wednesday's show. Plenty for you, including the team back on the practice field. Thank me for the Sabres win last night. I didn't go. So they played their played. <laughs> now really you well. can't go to the next right. one. Right. We'll see you tomorrow at 1.